be here with you and to update you on the mission work that you're praying for and that you're supporting. I want to thank you for the hospitality and to being a part of the family and a special thanks to Tom and Diane for hosting me in their home. Thank you for your prayers and for missions. There's many missionaries that you're part of that they're not all here this morning to be able to say thank you and to be able to say thank you for the prayers, thank you for their support. And so on behalf, I want to say thank you for all the missionaries that you're part of. I want to say I'm grateful for New Hope and for CMI and for all the investments that you've over the years have invested in our ministry and my father and mother, the late Dr. PJ and Mary Titus. And I'm grateful that I get to continue the legacy with Pastor Adam and Nathan and the whole team here. And that I believe in the legacy, I believe in generational partnerships. And as I get ready to go back to India in three weeks, uh, it's great to be here with you this Sunday morning to worship with you. And uh, the last time I was here, it's been a few years, so I have a lot to share with you. And this morning, I want to give you an overview, on the, an update on the mission work. And, that, and afterwards, I want to share from God's Word. And I want this to be a little interactive, and I do want you to participate. So if that's different for you, I apologize. And I don't want to put you on, on the spot, but I do want us to interact. Why missions? Why, why missions? God said so. God told us to do. What else? Why do we do what we do? The Word of God. Love. Save. Someone did it for us. Yes. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission. Then Jesus, why don't we read this together? Then Jesus came to them. Amen. We call this the Great Commission. And is that commission for who? It's given to me, which is all of us, right? And so in India, we have the Great Commission, and we have 4% to about 6% of the population are believers. So how much is left to reach from India? 94 to 96%. And some of the people in the Christian community will say, well, maybe Christianity is maybe up to 10%. So how many do we have to receive then to reach? So we still have a big harvest field, right? Is India mentioned in the Bible? Someone says yes. Is India mentioned in the Bible? How many think India is mentioned in the Bible? How many think India is mentioned in the Bible with a different name? Like it's called something else and now it's called India. How many think that? Okay. Well, let's turn to Esther chapter 1, verse 1, and let's read. Let's read together. This is what? Wow, India's mentioned in the Bible. If Indians mentioned in the Bible, how come we only have 4% or 6% believers? 
Well, I asked that same question to my father, and he would say it's because of all the idol worship that we have in India. And it's just not in India. Do we have any idols that we worship in America? And I, I know specifically American Idol. <laughs> and there's probably a lot more, right? So now, now we know a little bit about India. Now, which one of the disciples went to India or didn't a disciple go to India? How many think a disciple, one of the 12, went to India? Okay, if one did, which one? Thomas, very good. So Doubting Thomas was our missionary to India. There's a lot of churches in South India named St. Thomas. And uh, we, my parents are originally from Kerala. And that's where they were raised. And then they went to their mission field in Andhra. And so I'll be sharing with you this morning quickly on a PowerPoint on what you're praying for and what you're supporting. And I don't want it to come out wrong. So please don't misunderstand me. I don't want it to come out that I'm bragging on what I'm doing or what our family's doing or leadership team is doing. It's what God is doing. God is a big God. God is a big God. Amen. And he's around the world. And uh, I want to share with what you're part of. And um, make sure I have the thing going. How many of you remember mom and dad? Okay. They both have been promoted to glory. And uh, we miss them, uh, but we still continue the work. This is uh, a picture of my mom, so many of you understand my size, as uh, Pastor Adam was relating to. I get that from my mom's side. This is my wife. We've been married now for 32 years. And we have three children, three grandchildren that we've been blessed with. And our youngest daughter was just married a few months back here in Texas. And uh, we're actually a multicultural family. My son-in-law is from Africa. He's from Ghana, West Africa. And so we're very blessed. This is my older brother, Johnson, and his wife, Helen. And they do all the hard work. I get to come and travel, come see you, and go back. And he gets to stay at the campus and do all the hard work. And he's blessed with one son in Texas and four daughters. He has a set of twins. And they're on campus. They're all involved in the ministry. Now, the map of India, you can see the different colors. Each different color is a different state. And normally, a different state means a different nation. So my mom and dad are originally from Kerala. And they speak a language called Malayalam. And they went to their mission field up here in Andhra Pradesh. And they have a language called Telugu. Now, I'm not talking about a dialect. I'm talking about a different Bible, different script, different font. So when you cross the border, the signs are different. The fonts are different. So can you imagine the, the gospel being reached in different parts and being able to share in a, in, a, in a good way because of the different countries? It's not just one language or one people group. We have different clothes, different customs, different food within in India. And so our main campus is right here in a city called Vishagapatnam, and we're about 45 minutes north, and that's where the training center is. Many of you may know Hyderabad, which is a new state now, and they have where Microsoft and a lot of the technology companies were being based in. And so all of India, imagine all the different colors being different countries. There's 29 states. So... Sharing the gospel, this ministry that you're part of, we're in nine states of India, and starting from Delhi on the top all the way down to the bottom. And so we're blessed to be able to be in that part, but we have a lot more work to do. How many people live in India? And that's actually outdated because there's more now. 
How many people live in America? How many? I think it's a little more, yeah, somewhere around there. So how many times do we have in India? How many more people live in India? A lot. A lot. Very good. So the ministry that you're part of and you're supporting, our four core things that we do in India, our first thing is we train young men and women to become pastors and evangelists. We believe in multiplication. I want to explain some names. Christ for India is what's registered in America. In India, when mom and dad went back, the first church that sponsored them to go back was called Church on the Rock. So that is where the COTR comes from. And the church planning movement of the seminary is called New Testament Church of India. It's a fellowship. It's not a denomination. And so you'll see some different pictures and different things with COTR. This is one of our last batches of graduation. You can see we have students from about 14 different states usually each year. They come from different parts, different languages. All of our curriculum is in English. The different colors mean different degrees. We offer now bachelor's, master's, and now we have, uh, for the last two years, Ph.D. in missiology. That was one of Dad's vision of having uh, accredited Ph.D. program, and we're able to do that two years ago. We also have Bible colleges for young people that don't speak English, and we have it in their own language, and we do a one-year program for them in different parts. We also give Bibles and books as the graduates are graduating. My dad would say, when you get a degree, what do you think? You know everything, right? When you come across the stage. So my dad would give out books, and we still do that to this day. Um, let me show you the seminary video. This is what you're praying for, and this is what you're supporting, so we're very grateful. I don't get to come here and see you often to say thank you, but we thank you. The second area that we're involved in is the church planning area, and we have a lot of persecution coming up in the last four years. I don't know if you've heard of Compassion International. How many of you know Compassion International? You know that they're not allowed to be in India anymore? Last year, they were shut out from being in India. The government has shut down 24,000-plus organizations, mostly in a Christian uh, background. And so we have a lot of things that are happening in India that hasn't happened before, so really we need your prayers uh, for India for that. We have young men and women that are ordained and, and laid hands on, and they plant churches in unreached areas. We are building uh, this particular church. We're dedicated right before I came here, and it's in an area that there is no churches. This is in 2018 to have a, a district where there's not one church, not any denomination. Uh, it was a very highlight of the ministry to be able to plant that church, and we have many people there that are becoming uh, followers of Christ. We also try to do water wells wherever we plant a church. There is a big need for clean water. We believe in baptisms. We have an annual uh, retreat where all the pastors from the nine states will come to the main campus. Another area that we're involved in is the medical, the third area. And our hospital presently is going through some remodels right now. And we still have the hospital ambulance. We go out to the medical, to the camps, and do village. Uh, there's a lot of need, and they're simple needs, but they can't get to a main city to do it. Through your prayers, through your support, we're able to do this. And presently, we're trying to move the operating theater down to the ground level. We also believe in self-support. So we have a farm. We have uh, some cows. And we believe in multiplication. So now our cows are growing. We have babies. And uh, the milk is used for the school. We use it for our materials that we need. We're still hand milking all the cows each day. We make chaya. How many like chaya? So we make our own chaya with our own milk from our cows. 
We have a feeding program where we feed all the children that we're responsible for every day. We have a great uh, kitchen team, kitchen staff. Again, that through your prayers and through your support, we're able to do this. Every morning at 5.30, the children get up and they pray. And they pray for their daily needs, and God provides. And uh, to this day, I can give you a testimony that God has never let the children go hungry. And uh, we have a great team. We're preparing 1,000 meals plus daily. Uh, beautiful kids. And these children uh, come from a background that are non-Christian. About 80% of the children that we have come from a non-Christian background. So we also have a home for the children because they don't have a place to go home. They may have, we don't call them orphans because they may have one parent, they may have both parents, but they're not physically able to take care of them. Uh, we have dorms for the boys, dorms for the girls. Uh, we provide a great education in English. We have about 900 children on a daily basis the 600 plus we get from the villages around us. We send the buses out to them. They bring them out to our campus. They spend the day with us. and the evening, we take them back to their villages. Um, beautiful children, different faiths that are there. Uh, there's a small video I want to share with the school. There's uh, ways you can be partnering this through sponsorship. There's ways that you can help uh, through helping in the pastors. There's uh, ways you can help in helping us purchase a cow uh, or even a motorcycle. I was sharing the motorcycle is the family vehicle in India for our pastors. It usually holds five people, the pastor, his wife, and the three children. And uh, many of you have seen pictures. It's, it's true. Yeah, they're traveled overseas. Uh, 2018 projects, uh, we were trying to buy one more school bus. There was a need for that. We're also trying to do self-support programs where we have solar panels, and we're trying to get the campus to be solar uh, were we able to save the, the monthly fees that we pay the government, we'd be able to do that. We're also looking and praying that God would give us wisdom and income streams. We're looking for uh, partners to pray for us, become ambassadors for the ministry. Come on a mission team. And I'm, I'm encouraging Pastor Adam and Pastor Ralph to have a, a team in the near future come to India. If you're interested, please see them. Uh, help us in getting self-support projects, and you can definitely uh, pray for us. So thank you for allowing me to take the time and to give you an update on what you're supporting and what you're doing uh, in the ministry and uh, through your partnership. Let's turn to Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. It says that after this gospel is preached, then the end shall come. My message this morning is to share with you is, Bring what you have to the table for the Great Commission. And the main scripture portion I want to share with this morning is John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. And in particular, verses 9 and 10. And you can read with me. John chapter 21, verse 1 through 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon, told, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw out your net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. 
Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed on the boat, towing in the full net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net in. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same thing with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his raised from the dead. Amen. The main scripture chapter verses that I wanted to share with was verse number 9 and verse number 10. This is the part of the ministry. Many of you have heard this parable and taught and maybe even uh, preached on this. It's a very um, common in the, in the church. But he was, Jesus was here three plus years training these disciples. He was showing them how to do ministry, how to live, uh, signs, wonders, and miracles, um, how to be involved with the, the community and, the, and all the things that he did. And while he was here, he, he had the disciples as trainer, trainees. Now, in some of you, how many of you have a supervisor or a manager that you work for or in the past? You may have had. Uh, and what do the supervisors normally do? Tell you what to do. But before they tell you what to do, do they normally show you how to do? They train you, hopefully. All right? And then for a season, there's a training period. And then after that season, what happens? Now go do it. And... At some point, they tell you to do the assignment, and they then don't show you how to do it anymore because they expect you to do it, that you've been trained. Now, Jesus, after three plus years of training these disciples, and he leaves, what do the, the trainees do? They go fishing. I think people like to go fish. And so they go fishing. And so when Jesus came to the shore and he was asking them, did they catch any fish? And they said, no, they were failures. And then after Jesus, they weren't failures. And then when they left Jesus, they were failures again. And so the part is that, that when you leave Jesus and don't take him with you anywhere, with you, wherever you go, that you could become a failure. So where you're in the marketplace, where you're in the education, where you're in the home, have Jesus with you no matter what profession you're in. But when Jesus did come back, he said, what did he call them in verse 5? He called them friends. So if you're a supervisor and you have some people you're training and you train them and then you leave and you come back and you see all the people you train fishing and not doing the assignment that you told them to do, are you going to call them friends? What would you, you probably wouldn't want to say, but you wouldn't call them friends. But Jesus called them friends because he invested in them. And even though they weren't doing what they said they were going to do, they didn't. But he didn't come and say, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to suspend you. We're going to dismiss you, put you on probation. He didn't say any of those things, did he? What did he say? Friends. He asked them, did you catch anything? And no. And then cast on the right side. And then when they did catch the fish, they realized it was Jesus. 
and it says it was early morning, it was damp, it was cold, and there was a fire, right? They had a fire going, fish, hot coals, bread. Jesus was cooking the fish and bread. Do you wonder where Jesus got the bread and the fish? Yeah. And the fire? That Jesus was preparing for the, the disciples? He could have spoke it, right? He could ask the angels to come bring it. He could have taken um, anything that he wanted to do for that bread and fish. But what did he say in verse 9 and 10? He said, bring some of the fish that you have caught with your hands. Do you think Jesus didn't have enough fish and bread in that to feed all of them? He's multiplied that before, hasn't he? Or he could have told the angels to bring some more. There's more disciples here, right? But he said, bring what you have caught with your hands to the table. Let's mix it with what I already have, and then let's have a feast and breakfast together. Amen? So we're excited about what God is doing and bringing what you have to the table. We all say that everything here belongs to God, right? Do we say that? All of what God has blessed us with, our health, our families, everything that we have, it belongs to God. But are you bringing that to the table? Right? Each of us has been gifted with a gift. Everybody look at their hand. Hold up your hand. Now, what's in your hand? What gift is in there? Is it a gift of prayer? Gift of being an encourager? Is it a gift of working with your hands? Is it a gift of having a business and earning profits? Is it a gift of being someone who hugs somebody? Is it a gift of preparing meals? Each of us have a gift, but sometimes we hold that gift like this. There's a need in the church now for volunteers, right? For the school kids. How many are willing to open that gift and say, I want to come and serve? Right? Or do we say it's just for Pastor Adam, Pastor Ralph, and the leadership team to do? Whose is the Great Commission for? All of us, right? So it includes all of us. Say all of us. All of us. So this season, God has given you an opportunity to volunteer, to be a part of the Great Commission. And so if you're willing to bring what you have, not just your finances, bring your time, bring your family, bring your business, bring your resources to the ministry, and God can multiply it with what he has and let him bless it. Let him multiply it and give it back to you. you want to bring it to, to God for an opportunity. As I close, ask, how can I help? How can I bring my talents? Maybe you have friends that you're praying for. Maybe you have children that are lost. Maybe you have a spouse that isn't saved. You know, we need to minister to others. I've heard many testimonies of where we minister to people and some, God sends someone else to minister to our children. God sends someone else to minister to our spouse. But we have to take that part and bring what we have to the table and let God do the rest. Amen? Amen. Thank you for allowing me to share with you and to be able to update you on the mission work in India. Do remember to keep us in prayer. Do remember to um, pray for all the missionaries you have. Like I said, there's many of you that, that they don't get to come often and share and say thank you personally. And I want to thank you personally for being able to uh, continue that relationship and the legacy for the next generation. And so God bless you. Thank you again. There's some information on the back table if you'd like. And to pray for us. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Ralph.